Welcome to the UK Flooring Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Roomvo. Roomvo is the number one room visualization tool for manufacturers, retailers, and everyone in between. Now sit back, enjoy the show, and do not forget to hit the subscribe button. Welcome, Stephen, to the UK Flooring Podcast. Let's put LVT, flooring industry, everything to one side. Who is Stephen Latham? It's a deep start. Oh, yes. <laughs> I'd probably say um, I'm just a normal fella. Um, in terms of characteristics, I'd say um, very determined, very competitive, um, driven, focused, but um, yeah. What's your backstory? What's your backstory? How have you got to where you are? And we'll touch on where you are now. But what what's the a very brief journey of from even when you left school? Let's say. Um, well, my family's well. My father's had a um, a flooring business ever since I was well. Can imagine? Uh, can remember? Sorry. So, I think. Early nineties, um, we had a, a successful flooring retailers, contractors, wholesalers um, in the northwest, Southport, um, and basically, I used to work there in the summer holidays for a bit of money. Um, that's all actually really new in terms of work. I'd always be there, unloading underlay wagons and sweeping up warehouses uh, yeah. and a job. Um, and obviously, when I left university in two thousand and six, um, again. Needed a bit of money, wanted to go holiday with friends and, and and do all those sorts of things. And and obviously my background and my, my university degree was was based around marketing, and it's always something that I was wanted to go into, and it's it's something that's that's it's, it's took me to where I am. I think today a lot of, in terms of my understanding of it. Um, so basically, but obviously I, I was applying for all these jobs. Um, marketing jobs it's very much who's 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 got the loudest voice um in these big pools of 20 people in a room solving problems and it's who who's the one who who looks the most extroverted if you like got the job yeah it wasn't for me um but obviously I, again i still wanted to go down the marketing route but again need some money so i went to actually work for my dad um just again for didn't really have a job for me, just tried to help me out. Um, but 2008, I think it was, um, we started selling a bit of line and, and it was sort of down to myself working with a, a local developer, um, web developer, and we, we started selling little bits online, um, very hard back in the day to do that sort of thing, floor especially. Yeah. Um, and then I, I actually really enjoyed what I was doing, working for him, um, and I actually decided I wanted to, to obviously take over the family business as you, as you like. Um, it was never an intention for me to do that. It wasn't ever interest to me to, to, to do that career. Um, so we, yeah, we, I've, um, actually started working there and, um, we start, set the online side up, then I opened two shops, two more retail shops. Yeah. Um, and it was, we sold a lot of LVT flooring. So, so yeah, t- 2010, um, we brought our first container in, um, and it was it was something I was really passionate about. So I actually really looked at the market and thought I could obviously at the time there's only two or three 
people doing LVT back in 2010, sort of the bigger brands, obviously you had, you had some um, well-known companies doing it as well. But in terms of brands, and I actually looked at them closely from a retail perspective, I felt there were certain things that they weren't offering to the market um, and the service levels weren't there. And, and, and it was very much like a dictatorship, I felt. Um, and as a retailer at the time, I always felt, well, I could do this and I, and I can I can do it this way, which benefits a retailer as opposed to benefiting a brand or a, a, a company selling a product. So in 2011, I set J2 flooring up and obviously we bought our first few containers um, of, of LBT. We have two or three colors. Um, and basically we... we we set well. I set the company himself up based on the reason, on the on the reckoning of how does a retailer want to buy an LVT? What what levels do they want? They didn't want it sold online. They didn't want poor service. They didn't want poor quality. They didn't want low stock levels. And so the the company's all and and even to this day is still focused around offering the, the best possible product and service to our customer, i.e. the retailer, contractor, wholesaler. That's how we structure our business and that's what we did from the very, very start. And like I say, I did have a retail hat on at the time. I don't anymore, but at the time when I actually set the business up, I always strive to do it for the retailer. And and then, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's sort of where it started from really. So. so when you pulled the trigger on that first container, was your intention to sell it B to C, or were you kind of going to give it a trial yourself selling it B to C? And was the intention always to go wholesale? Or, you know, when you first made that first backs payment, let's say, what was the initial thoughts of, I'm going to do this myself? Uh, it was always B to B. Um, I, I wanted to actually, um, yeah, service the, the, the retail sector. That was the main main market, was to, to, to create a brand. And, to create a presence within um, the, the B2B sector. Okay. So when we first bought the first couple of containers, the, the, obviously the idea was as well, we had the backing of um, my father's business who did a lot of LBT at the time. So we knew, obviously we had a customer straight away for that. But obviously we, we also, I also knew of other um, companies, obviously they had a trade cancer. So there was a lot of um, fitters, installers who who would buy it through that business as well. And then obviously from there, we just, we managed to get a couple of uh, agents on board. Again, we, we've, we've always done this the same way when we, we've, we've come from, from a position where we've all, everything we've, we've created and, and, and profit we've made, we've put back into the business. So obviously we bought, we started with three colors. It went to six, it went to 10, it went to 12, 16, 20. So instead of some of the bigger brands who can just come in and do a range of 30 colors, we've always sort of grown organically in terms of, of how, of, of, of reinvesting that product and creating and growing from there. So it, at first it's very hard because we only have three or four colors. So people see a lot of our customers like, is that all you have? Um, and it was obviously hard to get customers on board. Um, but obviously over the years we've, we've managed to, to grow it to, um, to the to the amount of products that we sell today, which is which is a good offering then. So I love that. Um I'm a big fan of kind of disrupting the market and 
being a little bit different and being yourself, really. Um, and feedback I've had from my clients that, you know, I've got shops or contractors, um, there seems to be a little bit of a buzz and I'm not here to blow smoke whatsoever. But if you could explain the sort of philosophy between like supplying a man in a van and supplying maybe, let's say, someone with a, a really big retail outfit, how have you pleased everyone? How What's your philosophy between pleasing the man in the van feels he gets his value from from J2 and then someone that might spend 200 grand with you? Ha, ha, because there seems to be this disconnect with some of the bigger boys in wood and carpet and all this type of stuff that you you know you either invest in the stand or you can't even get a conversation, can't even get a cup of coffee, um, and vice versa. You know, if you so, how have you managed? Let's say even please most people. Uh, I mean, to be fair, again, in the early days, it's very very hard to 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 get into a, and disrupt the market, which is which is predominantly very brand driven, um, and. A lot of the shops we were speaking to, because uh, obviously we, we we went out with the premise of yeah we want retail stores we want people to to because obviously that's again back in two thousand eleven there was there was not much man in obviously there was man in the van but a lot of people worked for shops predominantly um, if you didn't have a premises you you worked for someone who had a premises um, obviously the dynamic is changing and I can see that which we'll discuss a little bit later but. Um, we when we went out to market, we were getting, we were trying to get into the stores. So when the stores were rejecting us and say, "Oh, we've got these other brands," we would we'd get feedback from a fitter, say locally, who would know someone down south who's mate who's also an installer who would have a conversation if he's tried this product. So then we'd end up opening accounts with installers because they can't they couldn't get the bigger brands, they couldn't compete with with the stores in terms of. Um, buying the product effectively and selling it themselves. So we have had a network of installers um, over the time. And that, that the reason that is obviously for one, some of them do some fantastic business. We do we do really good business with, with people who essentially have sort of a lockup or because the way they sell and market themselves now is is in a way that I think the the availability of, of products, services, the the increase in wholesalers manufacturers everyone's competing for the same market so yeah. ideally yeah Rose we'd love to be pro- pro- prominent in a, in a in a in a large store um being the big brand that this this they're going to be promoting to and they've got six seven installers on the books and 60 70 percent of their lbt is j2 that that's that's ideal but we un- we also understand that it's it's very very hard to get into that position so we've got to take We've got to take business from where we can get the business. And I don't discredit anyone, whether they've got a 4,000 square foot retail premises or they've got a, a van and a, a man in a van. To us, we want to work with people who can see the value in our in our brand, in our product, and the quality of this product, the quality of the service we can offer, the, the stock levels and the and the delivery aspect. If someone, if someone buys into that from us, it doesn't necessarily matter who they are um, and what what they've got, whether they've got the store or they've got a, a, just a, a van or they work out the lock-up. It, to us, it's about that the type of we'd, we'd rather be the number one to someone with a with a in a van in a, um, a small smaller premises as opposed to 
one of 20 in a, in a, in a large store where we don't really get any business from. So we, we, it's more for us is working with people who you like say, see the value in, 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 in our product or in our brand. So. And then putting brass, brass tacks on it as well. And you know, if you don't want to answer it fine, but again, if I'm man in the van that wants to give J2 a go, will Mr. Retailer that's got 4,000 you know, 4,000 square foot and currently spending 200 grand with you, do you have different levels of entry of prices or anything that you can, you know, you know, is there a retailer price and a contractor price? How, how do you deal with that? Or does everyone pay the same? Uh, we, 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 our pricing based on stand holders. I mean, to be honest, we do offer, um, exclusivity to a point. Um, so if, if we did have a retailer, which is our, our main market, we want to obviously increase our retail, um, market where we want to be a brand in their shop as opposed to um, an alternative. We want to be the main brand and that's our, what we're striving for. So if we did have someone who was who was doing good business with us, we, we wouldn't be work, opening with um, with a, with anyone else, even another retail store or a contractor or a, whatever. So I think what we do though is if we've got, we, we do get a lot of interest in the product um, from sort of Facebook forums, and a lot of the contact we get are from installers. And unfortunately, like in the, like say, last two or three years, we have grown our sort of um, customer base, which which the, the premise is we want to, to sell display stands. And not not just to sell the display stands to, to profit from that, is we, our, the way our marketing and our, our target audience is, we, we obviously, we have end users who, who see our product, who... Now we've been in the market for, for 12, 13 years. They are having our product. They're, they're talking to family and friends who've had the product. They're going on social media. They're seeing our, our posts. They're seeing our brochure. They are wanting to buy J2 flooring. So we need um, a network of, of, of partners across the country who can offer that service of this is our displays. This is how it looks. I've seen if, if someone's seen a sample or a sample off the website um they, they want to see it in a big area, then we need to have somewhere where we can um point in the right direction um to send that customer into. So that's some what we're trying to develop um over yeah, over the last sort of five five or six years really. So how would you deal with again a bit of a controversial question, but let's say you had a tiny lockup, but you had two or three vans outfitting. So you're moving, let's say, 300 meters a week, every week of LVT. But they, they, they've always been an installer. But then to get the next level of pricing, they've got to stand, but they don't have a shop. How do you tackle that? Because that's the fitters feel pressurized, irrelevant if it's J2 or someone else, that they've got to open this sort of something with bricks you know, as in like if with a front door on, but if they're doing fantastic business, how do you adapt with that? Just because obviously the, the general um, thing is they slam the door in the face. I know J2 don't do that, but it's like until you open this fancy-dancy kind of shop as such, um, how do you deal with the guys that are, let's say, doing more than a one-man band, but but not that are feeling the pressure to open a shop? How do you feel about that? Well, don't get me wrong. Some of our best customers don't have what I would class as a traditional retail premises. They everyone knows how the business works. So if you're an installer or a contractor, and you know you can sell 
three, four, five hundred meters a month of LVT without having premises for me. Perfect. Why, why would you need to do that? Why would you need to increase those overheads for that that purpose? If you've got, if you know how your business works, and essentially, you 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 work to your own strengths. For us as a company, in terms of supplying the stands, yeah, we we have display boards, so we don't we don't expect people to take stands. If someone can do three four hundred meters a month off of, off swatches, we give them a load of swatches. We just know. We know from the retail perspective and from an end user's perspective, a lot of the time they, they do want to see more than a, um, a 30 centimeter piece from a swatch. They, they need to see a board. They need to put it out of the kitchen. But there are a lot of contractors out now and, and, and what classes one-man bands. It's, it's not really one-man bands because, like I say, you do, get, you do get some contractors who don't have a premises, but they have two or three or four lads working for them. Yeah. Um, so for us, that... We don't, we don't disincentivize anybody in terms. Of they've got to have a retail premises. The the idea for us is if they know their business well and they can sell our product and they believe in our product and 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 say they understand um, what we're about in terms of the quality of the product and, and the service, etc. If they can work up a swatch, then that's fine. If they just want to buy the display boards and take them out to a measure when someone wants a, a grey or an oak or whatever it is or herringbone. And that that's absolutely fine because we do have customers like that, so we do we do understand that we aren't we aren't focused just on a retailer. However, we we do want to be able to tell the end user who does come on our website, or we do get messages on Instagram every single day, or we see the the, the store locator and that's on the website. We need to be able to send people into somewhere where it has something they can show as opposed to, oh, yeah, we can supply J2, but we just don't have any samples or anything of, of sort to, to show you. Um, that's that's our our biggest sort of um, issue is, is is the end user does need to see that. So obviously, Bigger tradition, yeah, traditionally shops have done have done better in terms of selling a variety of products because they're, they're offering a space for people to come browse and select. And they've traditionally, that's why traditionally most stores do do generally better than a, than a than a retailer because of the buying experience the end user wants is, is and but like I said to you before I think I do feel the dynamic changing and um, I do feel sometimes the end the, the sorry the contractors and the the one man or the, the the fitters in Havana if you like are getting a bit more streetwise are understanding that yeah they they do need to present themselves better they do need to have sampling for when the customer um, wants to look at a certain color, a certain product, they have, they, they can offer that. And even, even to the sense of making up their own displays, I think just working off swatches and pulling out your van and it's all bent and scratched and it doesn't portray the right image. No. So I think we are sort of understanding that now and, and, and improving, improving that level of service because yeah, that, I do feel that the, the market is still, people do still want to browse and look through in terms of flooring anyway. Um, through samples and it doesn't matter what capacity you have it in in terms of a store or, or a lockup or whatever but I do feel you do need to have that and for us as a brand we need to send people in or we need to put um, end users who are asking where they can buy our product in front of the person we know can offer that service and, and offer the and present our product in its best light which essentially is our display stands up display boards 
to enlighten their client experience. So um, let's move on to, um, I'm a huge advocate of um, creating your own brand, creating your own presence, de-branding stuff. Um, there is a place for the right brands, don't get me wrong. Um, but I think it came back to a question I think I asked on um, last week's podcast, where if I had 30 grand sat on my desk in front of me here and I had to build a flooring shop, what would I do? Would I give it to a manufacturer and let them give me a stand? Or would I create an experience that was so world-class people would not find any excuse not to buy from me? So, And that's from like the coffee machine to the the way the shop's presented outside to the products inside and using my expertise to go and source the best product. So it's not just sticking with one brand. How do you support the guys on the de-branded stuff? Um, well, yeah, we... we- we support that a lot. Our ba- our boxes are all unbranded for that whole purpose because we do have customers who want to offer it and we still offer it now and we have had done for it. We did start doing this whew, 10 years ago. Um, we set up an, a customer's own website. We did an own brochure for them, an own label stand. Um, so we offered them the whole, the whole service because what we found, the struggle we had back in the day, and even to a point now, is... When we're knocking on the door of a of a retail or I like say a customer in general and saying we're JT flooring, we're getting a lot of the time we're still getting that I've not heard of you or I've not got any space for another brand. So we decided, like I say, about ten, not far from when we first started, was to offer an own label service to give that differential so we could people could turn around and say, Well, I've got my own brand, so they can control their own margins, they can control their own exclusivity uh, and it effectively keep that closed where the customer comes in that they effectively are choosing a, a floor a lot of retailers now more than ever are very het up with brands it's all about brand 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 and for me it i, I think they discredit themselves a lot of retailers are very that well established they have a very good market they've got great um, service levels they've they've got excellent um customer service levels as well and um, and a lot of people who come through their doors are coming for their expertise they're not actually coming for the brand no yeah right, they may understand the name of a brand but it's the same with with i think with a lot of different industries um from food products to to, to all sorts of stuff there's people understand the brand when you're working within an industry you understand what makes that brand good quality what makes that product a good quality so a lot of the time like i say a lot of retailers i find is they 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 do themselves injustice by selling a brand when they can effectively use their knowledge and they're very knowledgeable people is to sell a product that they know and they believe in and they know the customer will get a good product on the floor and they could save money but they could also make more margin so a lot of people forget that fact that a lot of the the a lot of the bigger brands, the margins are you're restricted on the margin you can make. If you can, going back to your question about setting up a, a showroom, I think if I was to do that again now, I would 100% do it in in terms of the customer experience, in terms of how they are coming into your shop to look for a floor. Effectively, forget any names and brands that comes out of the mouth. They are wanting a floor that is a, a certain color, B performs a certain way is good for kids dogs in the kitchen um in an open plan environment where whatever their sort of their those 
questions they're they're asking you is this good for this is we all know within the industry our lvt and j2's lvt is 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 I'm not just saying it not blowing me own trumpet but it's just as good it's not better than some other brands yeah the product the quality in terms of the colors the finish everything the same as i think what you've got to like say look past is that's where i feel the like i keep saying it but a lot of retailers need to look at themselves and think well actually people are coming into our shop to come and buy from us because they've heard we do a really good job people and buy from people they, they will look for brands but i think we've also had the confusion of the bigger brands people assume the bigger brand name is actually what lvt is which is great for their marketing department have done that they come in looking for an x floor but they actually mean an lvt floor um, and you know, people. I genuinely think I'm completely with you. I was going to ask the question if you had forty grand sat on your desk and you fancied a, a new career um, in opening a shop, what would you do? But you kind of answered that. Um, people will buy whatever you've got as long as it's good quality, um, client experience is good, you know, and they they, they buy from someone they they know and trust. Uh, well, not necessarily know, but certainly that they've got they're buying from that confidence, that trust. And if the retailer's got complete confidence in the product that will like radiate to the customer so i'm like 100 percent with that and then commercially if you've got it under your own brand within reason you can charge whatever margin you want um you know you john down the street with a, a carpet shop might add 10 grand a month he needs to make before he makes a profit someone else might need to make 54 grand a month it might be a bit extreme but then you can charge the correct margin and base your client experience on that. So you can actually plan your financials by selling product. Um, so I'm a million percent with you on that. Yeah, I, th I think I think a lot of it is down to what well, I think you touched on it earlier um, regarding obviously contracts and display units. It's how you display a product and, and the, the experience the customer gets from it. It's not necessarily, like I say, all about brand, which a lot of people perceive it is not even my brand, J2 Flooring. It, it, we on, we know our brand, and in the wider scale of things, in terms of flooring, obviously our brand isn't is is nowhere near as, as strong as we want it to be, um, and we're striving to be. But we're selling a product, so take all the names, take this the the, the logo, take the everything out of the, the equation. Our product is always we, we we always want to produce a good quality product. Designs are very are very focused. We're very focused on design led um, floors with very good textures, very good finishes. It's all about for me is if we can produce a product. Forget the brand. Forget what what names on the box or anything like this. If you can produce a product that a yes you you have one hundred percent confidence that is going to perform very well in in someone's house or business. And you, you've got a retailer on board who also understands that and has a very much, has the confidence to, to sell that and, and put their name to that product. It, it's, it, once that custom comes in and, and you, you're not even convinced, we all know that at the end of the day, what the product is and how the product is, is based on quality and, and, and what is a quality product from installers giving feedback from the way it looks, the way, the way it handles. If you can present that to, say, uh, an end user, Mrs. Jones, coming in through the door and explain the benefits of the product, also offer them a cost saving, but also making sure you're making more margin in yourself because we're not 
looking to sell product which is cheaper. We're effectively, we're all in it for obviously to, to, to get as much gains out of it as possible in terms of monetary value. So increasing your margin, if you're presenting it very, very well, if you're selling it off a swatch and it's all bent, you're not, you're not portraying the product in the, in the right light. If no. you've got quarterly pre- presentation, whether it's your own stand that you, you've created yourselves or obviously something we, we, we developed it in terms of producing better display units over the, over the years, it helps you get more value for that product. And, and, and once you believe in a product, it's just about increasing the value of the product and what it's got to be displayed correctly. So oh, million. yeah, seeing going back to that question of the 30 grand, I'd make sure it's all based on user experience, not just how many brands I can cram into my shop because essentially it's my shop. I pay the overheads, I pay the staff. I want to sell a product that I believe in and also what I know will sell and, and what a customer is going to get a better value, best value from money for as well. No, I love that. Uh, how have you um, kept the, let's say, the quality, the designs, and maybe the negative side of it? What What's the biggest cockpit you've seen? Um, how, how have you managed to get that sort of quality? Because again, as soon as quality um, stops, it gets out in the market very quick. And how have you managed to maintain that consistently to keep the, the quality so the fitters on the ground, no matter if they're employed, subbed or whatever, keep them happy? Um, you know, How have you done that? And have you made any cog-ups on the long way? Um, I, th- I think back in the day we, when we first were producing the product, um, obviously I know a lot more now after doing it for sort of 12, 13 years of importing and, and, and dealing with the factories and what to look for in terms of quality and, and things like that. I think back in the day, we, we, we were buying from a certain factory, brilliant quality, but the, um, this is tough. This is like 2010. So people who have been dealing with since then would have known this and obviously the quality changed. Um, we were buying a recycled material, which actually was brilliant for the environment, but the quality was, was, was at first was really, really good. We got very, very good feedback. Unfortunately, the factory opened a second, third, fourth production line, which meant they needed more recycled material to, to cope with demand. But then that affected the quality. So we were getting then the the original product was was fantastic, but now we were getting recycled material from somewhere else. Or so they were getting recycled material from somewhere else, and it wasn't coming out into the products. So we ha- that was a, the biggest mistake. Because obviously, you're right. What you said is once you once you um, once you affect the quality of the product, people lose faith in the in the brand or in the faith in the product, and it, it's it's hard to retain the customer. So we obviously made the decision. Yeah, after that, we 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 changed factories, and obviously we have a couple of factories now we work with who we know the quality is fantastic. Um, it's consistent, and I think that's you pay a little bit more for, but you you effectively know what you're going to get. And there is, like I say, this it, it's just about doing your own due diligence and, and 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 go from there really but yeah we we still learn every day now to be honest so it's yeah. um i think you, you stop learning but yeah it it's just obviously from experience we know who to who to who to deal with and what to look for um, and have you, i mean I, I, obviously we had a chat at the harrogate flooring show and one of my clients um that, that has a retail shop was like oh J2 are great, uh, but they don't do a stone effect. It's real shame. And then obviously the Harrogate show, we had a chat and I'm like, 
hang on, the stone appeared. So you, you're obviously releasing new products, but what's new on the blocks now? And have you got any big plans for next year? Um, yeah, obviously you just touched on it. The, the, the thing that we launched at Harrogate was the, the stones collection. So in the, in the glue down system. So obviously we do glue down and we do SPC click. Um, the predominant product that we do sell, and obviously we've always sold from day one, is the LBT glue down. So, um, we again, like I said earlier in the in the in the conversation, we 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 we've always evolved from organically from from what we've produced and and reinvest back into the company. In the last sort of five, sorry, two or three years, we've 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 been very sort of weak on the stone designs. So obviously they're not as popular as your Herringbone and your planks, but to to take ourselves seriously in the market and obviously be able to stand up against a lot of the other brands that are around. We need to have a, a, a collection that caters for all designs. So in terms of glue down now, we do 56 different products uh, on the shelf from yes. herringbone to plank to tiles. Yeah. Um, but we also do the, the the product that sort of we, we do very well at the moment is the Creo, which is a um, a design floor. So we have it all um basically it's it's produced in the in in the UK. It's cut from obviously the slabs that we get in. We can cut any design, but we've, we've currently launched the weave collection, um, which obviously includes your chateau weave, smaller herringbone, chevron designs, and basket weave. And we do the Victorian design, so obviously the, the old traditional Victorian tiles, yeah. uh, obviously reproduced in, in our LBT um, patterns and colours. So that that's obviously something to the market. Obviously, is not as as um, as mainstream as you, like I said, going back to Herringbone and Banks, but it's something that we're trying to always constantly evolve and develop and find new markets for and find ways to um, to to offer something different or to, to compete at certain at certain products. And is there anything brand new that you can release? Is there anything in the pipeline that's in R&D at the moment that's, that you can um, re- re- reveal or...? Well, yeah. Um, to be honest, without saying too much, we launched it. Also launched it at Harrogate is um, is our new SPC that we're going to be launching next year. Um, so we're finding with the market as it's come with the SPC products um, that have been launched mm-hmm. and the way it's been received into the market, we we personally feel there's a there's a requirement for a more thicker, robust product um obviously they're, they're already on the market however we we feel the way the market's going with the click systems and spcs um it needs to be sort of a thicker gauge to 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 perform over certain subfloors and certain environments where people are, are wanting to install it and um, so yeah that's sort of what we're we're currently in, in development at the moment uh, in terms of we want to make before we launch we want to make sure we can give every bit of information of where it can go, what subfloor it can go over, um, and, and yeah, how it how it will perform in, in various situations. Because of selling SBC for the last four years, and uh, we 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 basically identified that it's 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 been perceived, or it's been sold, or it's being understood in a different environment, a different situation to actually what it it it, it is, but increasing the thickness of the core we do feel that will um 
that will eradicate a lot of the issues that we, we've faced from um, from selling our SBC. So. Brilliant. Okay, what we're going to do now is we're going to move on to a bit more about you, the brand, a bit more, um, some more jovial questions, but again, get to find out who's behind the brand and stuff like that. So um, next question is, uh, what is your least favourite part of your job, Stephen? So um, I'm very, I'm, I feel myself as very creative. So I like doing the creative side, um, but the biggest and it's it's massively something I need to improve on, but probably I find the weakest part that my uh, is and the, the bit I don't like doing as much is possibly managing people. Um, it's it's something that I, I'm, I'm I'm a nice person, so I, I can I still can speak to people and and uh, and I'll obviously get on with people. But I understand part of the business is is, is it's all reliant on on my staff and. They are very important, and I just think in terms of well, I don't know if I can turn this into a weakness, really, but I probably say I, I am. Um, yeah, it's yeah. it's something that I, I struggle to manage people because I, I've I see people a lot of the time how I see how it should be done as opposed to being. Uh, sorry, I explained that. I don't really know. Um, no, it's totally cool. I completely get it, and and probably make make the question even more difficult was. How do you start your day to get the best out of you and out of your team? <laughs> so I put a, I put a sting on the tail with that one. Yeah. Um, to be honest, I think the business when we when I set the business up, a lot of it is very much straightforward in terms of the processes and the and and how things work in terms of the operational side. So I think the team understand their job very well they understand what they do they 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 do it very very well as well so um yeah in terms of setting them up it's a hard one that i I, i'm always approachable so at the end of the day if there is an issue my my office door is always open and and we we can we can talk that through but in terms of i think setting the foundations of the business in terms of the processes and and operational thing that's where I think people have a clear understanding of their role and their job and what needs to be done and how it's done. I think that's it's very important in any industry that that you have that clear um that clear path that people can follow follow on. But yeah. Say that. I love that. Love that. If there was three people you could share a pint with tonight, dead or alive, who would they be? Um I'd probably say, um, uh, for my sins, I'm a United fan. So uh, <laughs> I'd probably say, so obviously made my childhood very, very good. And I admire a lot is um, Sir Alex Ferguson. I think he'd have some, I think, he, I think the way his brain works and the way he's so focused and motivated. And I think I'd, I'd be very interested to, to, to speak to him um, as terms of leader. Um, I think similar, 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 similar to that is someone like Roy Keane. I think also again looking at him and seeing that um, that drive, that determination, the character that he is. I think that would that would also be very interesting. Paint um, and the third probably be my um, I'd probably say my granddad because he was probably one of the nicest people I've ever met, 
and he would get all that one. So, um, and I'd, yeah, like another player of it. So, obviously, those three. Fantastic. And if you could change your profession um, again today um, in a completely different industry, what would you do in, in what industry? Um, I think, like I said, I, I feel I've got a very creative sort of mind. I like to 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 create, like obviously, from the brands to the, the brochures and the marketing. And, and I, I do think I'd stay in that side of things in a marketing capacity. Yeah. Um, and it, to be honest, I feel once you have that sort of, I say skill set, but that, that understanding of a, of a certain skill, you can apply it to a lot of different industries. So just, um, I fell into flooring because I think a lot of people do fall into flooring, but because mm-hmm. of my father, really. Um, so I think that's where, um, yeah. And you go back to the marketing. Think. Yeah, I stay in it, but I'd find a different industry to to do what I do and and let my sort of creativity go in there. But it, like I say, it could be anything selling white goods. I think you've just got to. Um, there's ways of of of, of marketing or marketing in every industry. So I'd see I'd stay in in terms of that because I think that's where my strengths lie. But um, yeah, so. fantastic. And what flooring have you got fitted at home? Uh, well, to be honest, we've obviously got J two down. Um, <laughs> yeah, just in the middle of moving, so we'd, we'd probably be looking at. Um, actually, weirdly, we're just talking about which colours to go with the with the house. So, um, but yeah, it will be J two. We just now it's gone from which which product which um, product to J two to what style. Whether we go for Chevron or Herringbone um, or Plank. So, um, which we didn't have that option when we. We had the previous house, um, so it's yeah. probably one of the most deci- um, difficult decisions for a flooring professional to choose their own flooring because you're sick to death of advising everyone else of what would look good or what might be a good, you know, colour, and then you get your own house. You know, like, oh, am I prepared to look at? You know, you really wanted to, and then a lot of the guys obviously have a bit left over from certain jobs, and that end up in the conservatory or whatever. So it's, uh, but you haven't set on plank or herringbone yet. You you still don't know. No, uh, between Herringbone and Chevron, I like Chevron because I think that's where the market um, it's it's becoming more and more popular. Um, the, the different weaves now, so obviously with the Herringbone is still very very popular, but we're 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 seeing as a bit of a shift, which is obviously what we create with the Creo into different different patterns like the basket weaves, the this different size Chevron, uh, different size Herringbone Chevrons. So yeah. Um, it, for me, I like to be different. I like to to try and have something new. Um, but yeah, I think you might be Aaron, but wins in the end. Brilliant. It always does. Fantastic. What is the worst bit of advice you've ever received? And do you know who it was from? If you can tell me. Um, I don't. To be honest. I don't think I can't actually think of any. Anything that I've been told that was terrible. I've, 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 I've actually thought and kept. What, what about the best bit of advice? If you had, if you had to advise your prior self ten years ago, what's the best bit of advice you either would advise someone else or that you've received from someone? 
I think, to be honest, a lot of it is derived from what I feel myself. Um, my dad had a good saying, which he still says to this day, which is, is very prevalent with me because of, I can have a terrible memory. Is the worst ink, sorry, the worst ink survives the best memory. So always write it down. If you've got an idea or you've got something that you need to remember, write it down. Um, what I've sort of derived from myself, what I've sort of learned over the years from getting older is focus on what you do. Not like I think a lot of, there's a lot of noise around and a lot of people see other people and, and see other companies and and try and be and, and I was the same when I was in my early twenties. I was always looking at everyone else and what everyone else is doing and can I do this? And and I think over the last sort of four or five years, which is sort of maybe probably led to our sort of our success over the years is forget the noise, forget what everyone else is doing. Just, just focus on yourself. Yeah. No, I love those copying everyone and, and thinking I need that. I need this. They're doing this way. We need to do it the same way. Believe in the process, believe in your own, own abilities and, and go from there. No, that's absolutely fantastic. Love that. And then the last and final question, which is always the most difficult one. Um, what is currently holding you back, Stephen? Um, space. <laughs> I don't know. Um, well, basically, we we moved we moved twice in in three years. The bigger warehouses, but I think you always whatever size unit you have, you always grow up. You always um, fill it. Absolutely. Yeah, you do. I, 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 in terms of, I'd probably say that and and certain lack of um, knowledge in certain industries because obviously with our products now, we are opening into different industries and different sectors. And I think we're very strong focus. Our, our brand and our customers are very, we're very strong in the retail flooring industry. And I think it's something obviously I'm working on myself um, in terms of the other industries and getting to know how they work. But I think it's probably a lack of knowledge in terms of that, that I'd say is holding us back at the moment, um, if that if that is it. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's what, I think that's what holds a lot of people back is the lack of knowledge. Um, and where is the number one place to find, you know, if anyone's listening to the podcast and wants to know more about J2, what's the best way to reach out to you or, or the team? And obviously www.j2flooring.com. Um, we've got obviously all the contact details on there. We're obviously on Instagram, Facebook. People can contact us there. Um, yeah, if you want more information, a lot of it's on the website. You can see what we're about. There's a video of, of our unit. Um, and you can read what, see what products we sell, download the brochure, do the room visualizer, find, see where the local store is, see if there's any competition that we, we or see if your area is covered by us or et cetera. So yeah, there's a lot of information on the website, but if you want to um, get in touch with, with us, obviously we've got a great team who are willing to help. And obviously I'm, my phone is always on as well. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much for coming on the podcast, Stephen. Brilliant podcast. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Thanks, Tom. Don't forget, if you want more information about Roomvo, visit their website, getroomvo.com. That's get.roomvo.com. If you'd like to find out more information about what we do, you can visit our website at cockrellandco.co.uk. 
That's cockerelandco.co.uk. We also have an Instagram account, which is cockerelandco, and also we are on Facebook. Once again, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast, and we look forward to seeing you here again soon.